Haggai and chapter 1. We'll read uh, the whole of the chapter, just uh, 15 verses. And then we'll get into the message. Are we there? Alright, so I'll read verse 1 and you respond verse 2 until we get to the end we'll read together. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the, year, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, okay, we'll go with that, governor of Judea, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, These people say, The time is not come, the time of the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little, ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but you are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And ye that earn it wages, earn it wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because mine house that is waste, and ye run every man to his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is saved from you, and the earth is saved from her fruits. I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon the ground that bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon, the, upon cattle, and upon the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Eldeo, and Joshua, the son of Duzedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear the Lord before the Lord. Then said Haggai unto the, the messenger, sorry, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Jehiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, and their God. Together, in the four and twentieth day of this month, in the second year of the reign of King Darius, sorry. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to preach, Lord, and that we can meet and freely, and Lord, hear your word and preach your word, and Lord, no one's going to come and arrest us for it. We thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would work now among us. Lord, give us ears to hear, and Lord, eyes to see the truth, Lord. We pray, Lord, your spirit work a work in us, Lord. We pray you uh, glorify your Son in this meeting tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, here we see that God had a, 
a work that he wanted his people to do. This is an, an, between sort of just after Nehemiah. I think at this point Nehemiah is away. They've been rebuilding Jerusalem. The wall has been rebuilt. And they've built their houses and they've planted their vineyards and their um, grain. They've sown their seed and they're working in the olive yards. And they're busy with their lives and they've neglected the house of God. They have, they're supposed to be building a house and the, the temple of the Lord. Um, and they're not. Um, if you look in verse 12 of the text, it says they uh, feared before the Lord. Uh, right at the end, it says, and the people feared, did fear before the Lord. They had a fear of God and they had a respect and a reverence to God. But they were busy. If you read in the previous chapters, um, they had fields and they had their vineyards and they were busy. They were putting all their efforts into their vineyards. If you read there, um, it says, you have sown much, and you bring in little, and you have not enough. If you go down to verse 9, it says, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. Um, and they were, they were putting a lot of effort into their worldly, or not, not necessarily worldly, but... Uh, Secular job, their, their means of a living, their means of providing for a family. They were very um, uh, energized in what they wanted to do. And God sent Haggai and said, you know, you're, you're putting in all of this effort and you're not getting anything out. Your, your, can, your time is consumed with the cares of this world for what you're going to eat and for what you're going to drink and for your olive yard and your vineyard and your uh, fields of grain and you're busy doing that but my house has been neglected and God said to them that uh, it would please you know uh, verse 7 it says thus have the Lord of hosts consider your ways go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. So God said, you know, what you're doing, stop what you're doing and do what is my pleasure. And build my house. You know, uh, consider your ways. You know, you've, uh, you're looking for the blessing of the Lord in what you're doing, but you're neglecting the things of God. Um, and... We are not much different as people to these people, you know, um, uh, saying uh, the thing that goes around comes around. You know, we're not any different to anybody else. The human nature hasn't changed much over the 6,000 years we've been here, except to get worse. Um, we have our jobs and we have our houses and our families that we want God to bless. Um... And the reality is we need God to bless them. We can't afford to live without God's blessing because to be without God's blessing is to have His curse. And you have one or the other. But if we neglect the things of God, then God is not pleased with us and we will not have His blessing upon us. And God will reprimand us 
as his children. He will um, correct us. Um, if you look in just over a page or two, Zechariah uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, then, answered, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, Thus, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So, the way to build a, a strong family and a strong person, um, strong people in a family, is by the Spirit of the Lord. And God will give us His Spirit if we are pleasing to Him. He's, um, but, but, like I say, we get uh, wrapped up in our work and in our uh, hobbies, maybe. And we neglect God. We treat God like he's, it uh, might sound facetious, but um, like a slot machine. We want God to bless what I'm doing. I want God to bless my work. I want God to bless what uh, my holiday. I want, you know, the things that I'm doing, God will bless what I'm doing. And rather than looking and saying, if I do what God wants me to do, God will bless me. And we, we have it backwards. Um, yeah. we, we want the blessing without the labor for it. We um, neglect to think what God wants from us, you know. And we say, well, God wants our time on Sunday. Well, yes, it's good. It's good to meet on Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. You can uh, lay the first of your time before God. and you, uh, It's the day Christ arose, the day of the resurrection. And it's the, if you read through the early church, it's the example we have, meeting on the first day of the week. But if you just come to church because God's going to bless me because I come to church, and you don't come to glorify God, and you don't come to help the brethren to glorify God, and then... You're using it as a, like a, a card. I've done this, God. Now you do. Now you bless me. I've done. I've done my bit. But because your heart isn't right, you haven't done your bit. Because your view is distorted. And we're, and there's times I come to church and I am dead beat, tired, and I just can't be bothered. Uh, you know, and I'm. Drained, and then I think, well, I'm not, if I if I don't get my heart right now and get my act together, you know, and sort out with God, then I'm not going to get anything from the service. But also, I'm going to be a hindrance to the spirit of God working in the church. And so, you have to go and get right. You come before God clean. Um, if we just uh, turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter six. And we'll start in verse 19 about this um, getting our priorities right in life. So verse 19 it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal, nor steal, for where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. So he's saying, you know, if you have a hundred thousand in the bank, you know, and you keep adding to that, and you know, I mean, I don't know if anyone here has a hundred thousand. If you do, uh, well done. Um, you know, you've worked hard, but you can lay out treasures. But you're <laughs> you're always worried. Well, what about what if a recession happens? My money's not going to be worth the same. And so, you know, and you, you create worry. And, and, you know, if you're saving for a house in Auckland, you're going to need a large sum of money like that. Um, but if, you're, if that is your focus and that is your treasure and you're worried about that, then you will neglect the things of God because you're, well, how, how can I make sure that my money is safe, is in the best fund? And you're always worrying about that or wherever else your treasure is. It might be your car. You know, you, you want... Um, uh, you see it some of the cars that people drive around um, and they've got the fancy hubcaps and they've got the uh, lights under the car and they've got the spoiler that they're added on and the treasure is their car. It's, the whole thing is to show off their car to everyone else and... There's people who spend a lot of money on their car. And then in six years' time, when the engine fails, they're, they're getting a new car, and what was the point in spending all the money upgrading it? <laughs> but, you know, where our treasure is, there our heart will also be. If we carry on reading verse um, 22, the light of the body, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single... Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thine whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And that seems like a contradiction because the light that is in you is darkness. Darkness is the opposite of light. But what do you show forth? What, what shines out of your life? If someone looks at your life and you're consumed with the things of the world and making a living, and not that making a living is evil in and of itself, but if you put that before God, it does become evil. And if that means that, you know, if you're, you're busy doing your work and you cannot serve God the way God has asked you to serve Him, then, it's, then it is in the way and it's a hindrance. It's a stumbling block to your service to God. And you need to put it aside, you know, you might have to change your hours or whatever it is so that you can be there to serve God when God needs you there. Not that God in a way needs us for anything because God is God, but God has given you the opportunity to serve and if you don't take it, then God will use someone else um, and you will suffer for it because you have neglected to do the things of God. But if we, um, so verse 24, carry on reading. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, if we then, uh, 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought to your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet what ye shall put, sorry, eat what ye shall drink, nor yet, uh, for your body, what ye shall put on. It is, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So are you, you are better than the sparrows. Uh, verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Levy. <laughs> Always standing on his stiffy toes. Um, anyway. Which of you can uh, add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, nor, neither do they spin. But I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like unto one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Father in heaven knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for, of, uh, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If we go back to Haggai and look at the men that were there, they were busy hard working out in their fields and their vineyards and they were worried about well how am I going when it's winter you know what are we going to eat we can't you know stuff isn't growing so we need to do it now and there is the reality is if you don't plant at the right time of the year you won't have a harvest but the work of God is more important than the harvest or you are weak um Despite, you know, you have a need, but God knows you have a need. And if you read through the Old Testament, and you read in the, the blessings and the cursings in Deuteronomy, I think it's 28, God promised to bless their fields and bless the work of their hands if they would do God's thing. Um, and part of that, uh, uh, for instance, God said on the seventh year you're not supposed to sow, your field. You're not supposed to plant anything. And that which grows of itself is for the poor of the land. You know, if you were the owner of the field, you couldn't go and harvest. If the wheat sprung up, you know, uh, seed that didn't germinate the year before might germinate, and then you, you go and you harvest that, God said you're not to do that. But in the sixth year, God said that there would be a blessing. If you would, if you you work through the five years, the sixth year you plant, you and you uh, you sow, you plow, you sow, and you reap, and God said that there'd be enough in the sixth year for the seventh and eighth year, so that you can plant. You know, when you come into the eighth year, the new beginning, there's food to supply you until the harvest comes in the eighth year, or as it was the start of the next cycle. God said that uh, I will provide that, but when if you read through, um, I think it might be Jeremiah, they, they were given 70 years in exile, one year for each year that they neglected to keep the Sabbath year for the land. They didn't rest the land, and God said, the land is going to lie desolate until it has enjoyed her Sabbath. And so for 70 years, if you do the math, it's something like 490, I think, years. They didn't rest the land. 
the, the land hadn't had a holiday. You know, uh, we, we like a holiday. And God said that's good for the land to have a break. And they didn't do it for 490 years or so. And God sent them into captivity while the land had its rest because there was no other way to get the, have, for the land to have its rest. So, but they neglected because they said, well, what do we eat in the seventh year? What do we eat in the eighth year? So they planted. But God had said, if you will rest the land in the sixth year, I will make provision for the seventh and eighth year. And if you look at, I don't want to get off track too much, but um, if you look at the stock market crashes that we've had, as far as I'm aware, it's every seven years. From the start of World War, end of World War Two, you can trace it in the first couple of years. It's a minor crash, and a minor crash, and then it's seven years before the next crash. And why is that? Because the land hasn't rested. We haven't. We neglected the principles of Scripture. God said, "Rest the land," and we haven't. And so you can trace it. The crashes. Uh, at least that's I think. Uh, my dad was doing research on that because they plant they plant a garden, and they said, "Well, we don't want you know if this is going to be the rest year, we don't want to plant anything then because God said not to." Um, and so he's you know what what year is the the Sabbath year? So he, he would he looked it up and that's what he found. Every seven years there's a crash in the economy, and it's the it lines up with the Word of God, isn't it? Uh, you can trace the. Uh, truth on God's word through, you know, that they say, well, it's just chance. Well, when it's every seven years, it's for the last 70 years, it's not much chance. Not much down to chance is a pattern. And the pattern matches what God has said. Um, and because we're so worried about making our money, we neglect the uh, scriptures and we neglect to think, well, why is it like it is? Um, uh, so, if we go to Zechariah, again, chapter 7 this time, um, we'll get, and I'll get to there in just a moment, but, so we, and we may put, uh, I said this a little bit before, we may put God first, we, you know, we put Sunday first, maybe we pray first thing in the morning, maybe it's, we read our Bible, and we say, well, see, I put God first. If you read in uh, Zechariah chapter 7, we'll read verses 4 through 6. It says, The word of the Lord came, uh, the word of the Lord of hosts, so then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth month and the seventh month, even those seventy years, did ye at all fast? unto me, even to me. And when ye did eat, and when ye did drink, did ye not eat for yourselves, and drink for yourselves? So he said 70 years, <laughs> sorry, they were there, and they, every, on the fifth month they would fast, apparently to the Lord. And on the seventh month they would fast to the Lord. But God said, even those 70 years, did ye at all fast to me? He said 70 years, you came, and you fasted, and you prayed, and not once did your prayers make it higher than the ceiling in 70 years. And that's, that's pretty stout, but 
70 years they, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and God said, not once did you pray to me. You were praying for your glory and for you to be lifted up, you to be exalted in the land, for you to have uh, the good things, but you never considered uh, the things of God when you prayed. You wanted, you wanted enough of God to, to be blessed in your work, but not enough of God to have to sacrifice your things and the things you wanted to do. Um, now, and again, that's not to say that you shouldn't read your Bible and pray first in the morning. I, I think you should. It's, you, each day you're given, you're given God is, each day is a gift from God and you're given. Uh, and when, you know, you, you return the first of it to God. Um, the principle, you know, uh, Adrian often has mentioned about time, and the reality is we do not give God the time that he's due. If you think about uh, tenths, the tithe is not just a tenth of your money, it's a tenth of all things that God has given you. And so if you, you know, what's a tenth of the week of your time? You know, that would be, somebody, Andre's doing the math. Seven days. Seven, seven, seven days. Point seven of a day. Yeah, point seven of a day, so... If you work it out, I worked it out in hours one time. Andre's doing the math on the calculator. What's what's it work out? Do we even give God the tithe of our time? Um, you know, if you just come on Sunday and say, "Well, that's my God, my time for God," you haven't even made the tithe. And if you come on Wednesday, or you know, you haven't you haven't given God what God has owed, never mind giving him anything on top. Everyone's now on their phones doing the, the maths on the calculation. <laughs> They're not listening. The point being, we don't give God the time he's due. Um, but, you know, each day, you know, well, you give him the first of the week, you're given, God's given you Sunday, he's given you the start of a new week. But you don't know about the rest of the week, so you give God the first of your week, and you give God the first of your day. Um, but do we do it so that God will bless us or because we want to spend time with God? There's a saying, uh, present rather than present. And the idea behind the saying is when you, know, you invite someone over to a party and you say, well, uh, your presence, as in you being here, is more important to me than the present that you will bring. So, you know, is God, the presence, God being with you, more important to you than the present of God, what God can give you? And, you know, we, we think uh, it's nice, it is nice to receive gifts at a party, but at the end of the day, you know, the people is what's more important. And the fellowship and the celebration is the same with God. We look at God for what he can, oftentimes we look at God for what he can do for me, what he will give me. And we look at God's hand and we look at God's blessings and there's nothing wrong with you know, the blessings of God. Like I said, you can't afford to live without God's ha good hand upon you. But if we go to, you know, we, we all know the verse, uh, second, well, I say we all, I can't quote it right now, uh, second Chron Chronicles 7.14, can you put that up? Uh, 
If thy people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. If you see there, and says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. He's saying, look for God. Not for what God can do for you, but look for God himself. Look at God, look for his presence rather than his hand for what he can give you. Amen. Um, Psalms 27, verse 8. We have that up, Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou sinnest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. The God, uh, the Psalm of David, David said, and he said in the psalm, God has called me and said, seek my face. And David said, I will seek thy face. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Um, and, you know, he wasn't, you know, he needed, and if you look in David's life, there's many blessings of God in his life. But David didn't go after God because God would bless him. He went after him because he was God. Because uh, he wanted to fellowship with God. And because God, the verse there, um, you read that, it says, When thou sinnest, when God called to him, by, uh, Seek ye my face. God said, Will you come to my presence? Will you come to me? And, you know, if, if, all, if uh, all we look at each other for was what we can get. If I, if I was only friends with Andre, because I thought Andre, you know, he, he's an engineer, and one day he's going to have... Uh, a lot of money, so I'm going to be friends with Andre because then I'm friends with someone with a lot of money. And, you know, you can pick up on it. And you, you, Andre's not going to want to hang around me. Andre's not going to want to be my friend because all I want from Andre is his money. It's the same with God. We, we know intuitively that if, you know, if somebody, all somebody wants from me is my money, I'm not going to be very friendly with them. I'm going to want to not spend time with them. If all we want from God is God's money... That's true, yeah. Then why would God want to spend any time with us? Mm. Um, if you go to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, I mentioned this in um, the youth activity, and I stopped myself from reading it so I wouldn't steal from my own preaching. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9. And we read verses, uh, start in verse 2, and we'll see where we get to. It says, uh, in the first year, so start with verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, by books, the number of the years where of the Lord said unto whereof the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and keep his commandments. So if we stop there just for now, and uh, 
If you read the rest of that, he makes intercession for his nation and for his people. But he starts by saying, I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He didn't say, I'm going to seek the blessing and the restoration of Israel. He said, I'm going to seek God. He set his face towards God, not towards uh, the, you know, the, the money that God, you know, the Bible says, um, I think it's Psalms 50 and verse 9, says, uh, it talks about the wealth of God and that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, where, what can you give me? Um, I will take no bullet out of thine house, nor he goat out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. But, you know, God is rich, and Daniel didn't look at God for his riches. He looked at God for the presence of God, for what, um, and made a confession of the sins. And you, you can read through that, um, and you get down to verse 19, and it says, Hear, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision in the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly and touched me about the time of the evening oblation. The word oblation is sacrifice. Um, and you can see, and he says, and he informed me, talking with me, and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of the site of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, I am to come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. While Daniel was praying, he was seeking God's face, and it says, at the beginning of thy supplication. So when Daniel knelt and prayed, seeking God's face, right at that time God gave the command. He said, Gabriel, go tell him and go show him the vision. As soon as he called, God heard him. Because he sought God's face and not God's hand. He said, whilst I was speaking, if you go to Isaiah in chapter 58... This is the, it's the chapter in the Bible on fasting. Um, and uh, it's good to read the whole thing. It's good always to read your Bible. But for the sake of time, oh, um, now we will start verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. The first thing, if you're going to approach God, is you need to realize that, you know, you're a sinner and that you don't deserve to come to God. And, you know, they, um, he said there, verse 2, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask after me, it's they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they? So they said, why have we fasted? What have we gotten out of it? And seest thou not 
carrying on to this is verse 3. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and take no knowledge, and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day, so they were, uh, if we stop just there a minute, it says they were afflicting themselves, um, and they were fasting, you know, and trying to get a hold of God. Says, uh, carrying on with the verse, Behold, in, in the day of your fast you find pleasure. They took time off, uh, and it says, and you exact all your labors. They took time off work to go and fast to God. And rather than uh, fasting, you know, they said to the boss, well, I'm going to go and fast. And they went down the beach. If you read that, it says, uh, Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure. When did the enjoyable things. You said to your boss, I'm going to get, look, I've got to go and seek God. I've got to find, I've got to know this or that, you know, about from God, about what I'm supposed to do. And they said, and he's saying, you know, instead of doing that, you're off playing tennis or you're off, uh, you know, playing golf, doing your own thing. And, you know, you're fasting, but you're not, you're not serious. You're just uh, using it as an excuse. Um, verse 4, behold, Ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice heard on high. So they were fasting, you know, they got into an argument over whatever, maybe doctrine, and they said, well, I'm going to fast to God, so that God will give me the answer, so that I can get, so for instance, I'm going to use Andre again, because I used him before, uh, and me and Andre have a disagreement. Well, I'm going to fast so that I can get the truth from God, so I can go to Andre and beat him over the head with my Bible. And that's what they were doing. They're, you know, so that they would say, well, look at him. He, he knows so much Bible. Um, and God said that you're not going to do it as you do it this day. In verse 5 it says, Is this such a fast as I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict, afflict his soul, is, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day unto the Lord? They, um, you can read about the, the way the Pharisees would pray. I think that's also in Matthew chapter 6. And they stood on the street corners to pray. Um, and they made a big show about their pray, and it, uh, they're praying and they're fasting and they're... Uh, look how holy I am. And God said, I'm not at all interested in this. This isn't anything that I've chosen. Um, and this is, if we, uh, you think back, I mentioned the verse in Zechariah, uh, chapter 7, I think, and verse 4. They fasted in the seventh, uh, fifth and seventh months for 70 years. And they got nowhere with God because, like in Isaiah here, they were, it was just a big show to make themselves look good and for their glory. But God says, uh, Isaiah 58, verse 6, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? So now God's going to say, look, this is, this is what I've chosen. This is why you fast. So it's to loose the bands of wickedness. So somebody who, maybe a family member or even you yourself, you're trapped in a sin, and you, it's a besetting sin, maybe. You read about, um, it's uh, I, Hebrews chapter 12, I think, verse 1, can we have that up? Hebrews chapter 12. It says, wherefore, seeing we are, what we, 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. So the bands of wickedness, if you go back to Isaiah chapter six, uh, 58, sorry, verse 6, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. The things that are dragging you back, the weight of sin, and the sin that doth so easily beset you. God said, you fast over that. Pray and mourn and weep over your wickedness and the bands of wickedness. And if you read Daniel chapter 9, that's what Daniel is praying about and fasting about. He said, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bringest the poor that are cast out to thy house? And when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. God said the food that you would normally eat in that time, give it away. Don't just you know, leave it in the pantry and well, I'll eat it later. Give the food to the poor, to the hungry. And look after the poor. You know, take the poor into your house and feed them. And when thou seest the naked, cover him. And you know, there's more to all of that than just the physical needs. You can be spiritually poor. You know, and we're all spiritually bankrupt to God. Look for the, it's not just the physical need, um, it's the spiritual need, you know, and the naked. You know, to be naked spiritually is to be lost. To be clothed is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so you can, it's also, you know, take care of the physical need and the spiritual need. And that thou hide not thyself, thine own, sorry, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. So, you know, you're considering the fact that you yourself are wicked. We as people, our flesh is wicked. And you see, he says, don't hide yourself from that. Don't make pretend like you're holy. Um, you know, don't stand there and say, well, I'm holier than so-and-so. No, he says, look at yourself. Consider your flesh, and your flesh is, and that my flesh is wicked. And if you look there, when, you're, when you approach this properly and do it the way God has laid out there in verses 6 and 7, verse 8 says, then shall, thy light, shall, uh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rare reward. So, so you look there, you see, uh, the Bible says, uh, we are a light set on a hill, a city that cannot be hid. We're to let our light shine before men. And God says, you want your light to shine before men? Read verse 6 and 7. That's the criteria. Um, it says, thy light shall break forth as the morning. You can't, when the sun gets up in the morning, you can't hide the fact that it's day, even if the clouds are there. You can't hide it. A uh, pastor was preaching this morning about, you know, making um, the hair of the Nazarite would grow long, and it became obvious that that man was a Nazarite. You know, it was, it, when we do this, when we uh, truly turn towards God, God said that your, your light shall break forth as the morning. You're not going to be able to hide um, your Christianity, as it were. You're not going to be able to hide the gospel. Nine health shall spring forth speedily. You know, um, if you read a lot, if you read through the curses in Deuteronomy 28, it's some of those curses were for sickness and disease, and um, it talks about the children dying 
in the womb of their parents. It talks about miscarriages and things like that. And all these great uh, curses on the people, because if they wouldn't follow God. But he says here, thine health shall spring forth speedily. You know, I think there'd be a lot less sickness in our land if we'd turn to God. That's what God said anyway. And is God a liar? No, God, we know that God cannot lie, but yet we do not meet God's criteria for good health in our nation. We don't turn towards our God. Um, if we carry on reading verse 9, Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer, and thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If thou um, take away, sorry, so if we just pause there, then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer, thou shalt cry, and he shall hear. And say, here I am. If you think about Daniel's prayer again, when Daniel knelt to pray, God heard him straight away. As soon as he started to pray, the command went forth to Gabriel to go and show, uh, to go and give the answer to Daniel. Um, and so that, that's the promise. He, you know, if you think about Daniel, Daniel was praying and fasting and seeking God's face and not his uh, gifts. He was seeking God and not. Uh, the things of God, as it were, as in the riches of God, he was seeking God himself, and God, when he cried, God heard him. And when he called, God said, here am I, here I am. We carry on reading, it says, If thou take away from, thee the, the midst, take away from the midst of thee the yoke, so that's the things dragging behind you, a yoke would hitch you up to the uh, plow or to the cart, and it's a weight that you're dragging around. And it says there, the putting forth of the finger and the speaking of vanity. So the putting forth of finger. Uh, I'll pick on someone other than Andre. I'm going to pick on Adrian. It says it's Adrian's fault. And you blame Adrian because Adrian was late when Adrian doesn't drive himself to church. You know, and you blame, and when you screw up, you say, well, it wasn't my fault because this happened. I couldn't control that. You know, um, so uh, to use an example, say you're coming to church on Sunday morning and there was an accident on the motorway and you're five minutes late, ten minutes late, whatever. And you say, well, I was late, but it's not my fault. It's the accident's fault because it blocked the road. But, you, you know, you know that I'm not saying you have to, you know, leave super early, but, you know, you're... You haven't made allowances for things. You know, it could, there could be an accident that slows you down. And so you, know, you, you allow for that. You, know, um, you would in work, at work, and if you couldn't, you know, there was one time there was an accident on the motorway and we had to call our boss and say, look, we're going to be late. And we were an hour late, something. But there'd, there'd been a fatality in the middle of the motorway and we had to take a detour around. And, of course, it was in the middle of rush hour traffic. Everybody was taking the detour. And so we, we spent an hour getting around. But as soon as, you know, as soon as you know that you're going to be late, you have to call the boss. But as soon as you know you're going to be late for church, you don't, it doesn't bother you. You know, it's just church. But your, your boss is more important to you. You ring him when you're going to be late. You, you know, um, and you say, well, you ring the boss and you apologize to the boss. But if you're late every day as a habit, you know, you're supposed to start at 7 and you always show up at 8. And you, every day you ring your boss and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. Your boss is going to call you in and say, look, we need to review your contract because you can't obviously start when you're supposed to. 
and I need someone here at seven, and you're supposed to be here at seven, and if you can't be here at seven, we either need to arrange uh, you know, this properly so that you can start at eight when you obviously can show up, or you need to go and find another job. You know, you, you can, we can, I'm willing to adjust this for you, but if you're going to come late, when, so now we're going to say you're going to start at eight and you start showing up at nine, well, goodbye. You can go and work for someone else. That's what your boss would do. But when we're late for the things of God and we forget the things of God, do we call God up? Do we pray and apologize to God? So, God, sorry, I, I missed it. God, I didn't make allowances for the things that could happen in this world. And we, because we consider God as an add-on to, and a blessing to what we want to do, we, it doesn't bother us because, uh, you know, uh, the things got in the way. And because you're doing it for you and your schedule got interfered, it's fine. But if you stop and think about it the other way, it's God's time and God's schedule, and you haven't made God's schedule... You know, it's not your time. You, you know, and you're, if you're late, you're late on God's time. And your boss wouldn't put up with it, and your boss wouldn't pay you for those hours. And, but we, we consider our boss, and would call our boss again, as I said, but we, you know, it doesn't faze us if we're late for church. Uh, I don't mean to be facetious, but, you know, that door, we can open that door at ten past nine on a Sunday morning. We can open the door at ten past six on a Sunday and Wednesday evening, and who's here? You know, and we're often late as a church. You know, uh, we can set this hall up in 10 minutes if people were here. But because they, they, you, we don't seem to think about what God has, you know, it's God's time and not my time. You know, if you can't be here on a Wednesday, you know, most of us are here on a Wednesday, but you go to your, you know, um, the last time I sat down in an office with a contractor to, to sign a contract, I said to the boss, look, I have church at 6.30 on Wednesday. If I'm working an hour from the city, I'm leaving at 5.30 at the latest. If it's going to take me an hour to travel, I'm leaving at 5.30. I will not work past then even if you need me to. If I have to leave at 5, I leave at 5. If I have to leave at half past 4, I leave at half past 4 to be in church on time so that I can go home, wash and get ready. And you agree that with your boss. Because God is more important than money. God is more important than the building that you're building. The things of God are more important. And you, you, know, you say to the boss, look, I can't work Saturday because, or Sunday because I need to rest on Saturday so that Sunday morning I can get up and actually worship God. Because if you all work, on, you know, sometimes you have to, but if you work a whole day on Saturday and you work six days in the week and you don't rest, you come to church on Sunday morning and you're tired. It's your day of rest. But it's not supposed to be your day of rest. It's supposed to be the day to worship God. If you, um, we carry on reading down through our text. Um, if thou, and if thou, verse 10, And if thou draw out thy soul unto the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then thy light sh- shall thy light arise, arise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a water garden, and as a spring of waters, whose waters fail not. If you think about John chapter 4, God said that eternal life would be in you, a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. 
It says there in verse uh, 11 of Isaiah 58, you'll be like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You'll see people getting saved and there won't be an end of the people you see getting saved because the water is in you springing up. Because you're doing things God's way and you're seeking God, not, what, not God's um, money, as it were. Verse 12, And they shall say unto of thee, and they that be of thee, sorry, so this is talking about who, what your children will be like. It says, They that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places and shall rise up the foundations of many generations and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Um, so he said, you know, you're going to, God said that you can rebuild society. You know, we could rebuild Western culture back to God's ways of doing things if we would ourselves return to God's way of doing things. And if you read verse 13, and this is uh, getting into this a little bit and uh, about the Sabbath, it says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, God calls the Sabbath holy, um, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words. So, and you, uh, speaking thine own words. So he says, you can speak the word of God. We are, sometimes will do choir on a Saturday. That's fine, because it's God's thing, if you're doing it for God. But he says the Sabbath. And you can read through your Bible and you find that God honors the Sabbath. God has said, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it's not that you, it's not... Uh, going to affect your salvation. You're not going to die and go to hell if you don't keep the Sabbath like the Seventh-day Adventist would teach you. And they honestly don't keep the Sabbath because how many of them travel more than that distance to get to their church on Sunday? There's a limit to how the physical work that you can do on the Sabbath. If you read um, through, I think it's Leviticus, there was a man who went out to gather firewood for his house to keep his house warm and God said, and they, they took him aside, he's gathering sticks, they took him aside and put him in a ward to find out what God was saying. God said, kill him. Capital punishment for gathering sticks to light a fire to keep your house warm. You know, be prepared. God's, you know, if you had that wood in your house, well, all right, you can burn it and you can prepare food. And if you read it, but God's, God killed that man because he went about doing his own thing on the Sabbath. And again, it's not your salvation, but if you want to be fresh on Sunday morning and you've worn yourself out on Saturday, you can't worship God on the first day of the week like you're supposed to. And you can't, can't do a whole day. And so, you know, we do Sunday morning, we do the youth in the afternoon, or the men's, uh, there's a young professionals program, and there's the youth activity, or the ladies' meeting, and then there's the evening service. We spend the whole day in church. Um, and we're looking, we're praying about the um, rest home services. But how can you do all of that if you're plum tired out from working on Saturday, the day God said it's supposed to be a rest? And, it's not, and it is Saturday, the seventh day, not Monday, not Tuesday, not any other day. You can rest on those days and say, well, I'm obeying the principle. I have a day of rest. Well, that's fine, but that's not the day God blessed. 
There's an extra blessing for doing it the way God said to do it. It says, verse 14, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And God said, I will feed you, and I will look after you, and you will, the heritage of Jacob... Um, you think about uh, a good land, a land flowing with milk of honey, that's on earth. You think about the inheritance of uh, the saints of God, heaven. We have uh, eternity as well to look forward to. And God said, I will give you all of that, but you honor me. And you do what I've asked you to do. Because, I've, you know, because he's God, not because uh, he'll make you rich or anything like that. Um... How are we doing for time? A little bit of time still, that's good. Um, So if we go now to Jeremiah and chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. says, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me, and if thou wilt put a will put away thine abominations out of my sight, then thou shalt not remove. So he said, if you'll, if you'll turn and repent, I won't send you into captivity. And thou shalt swear, verse, verse 2, and thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth and in judgment and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and he shall be their glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fellow ground and sow not among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come up, uh, come forth like fire and burn that none can quench because of your evil doings. And God, um, we t- uh, touched on it in the youth program, but God they said, you know, um, repent or I will come and destroy the land. If you think it was uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, Ezekiel chapter 22, and I think verse 30. We read it um, in the youth program, start verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore I have poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own ways have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Um, God is looking for people, for intercessors like Daniel, who will pray for the nation, pray for the church, and pray for the individuals in the church, to people who will consider God's ways and say there are things more important then, you know, and if I have to sacrifice this or that so that I can do the things of God, I will. God is looking for a man or a woman to stand in the gap, to pray for the nation, that he won't destroy it. But if you read there in Ezekiel, it says he found none. And you can read in Isaiah 59 and verse 16, it says, And he saw a man, and, sorry, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. God was surprised that there wasn't somebody who would pray for the nation. They had no care for the wrath of God being poured out. 
If we go to Hosea in chapter 10, Hosea chapter 10, next book after Daniel, in verse 11 it says, Ephraim is a heifer that is taught. Taught what? It says, and loveth to tread out the corn, but I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride, and Judah shall plough, and Jacob shall break up his clods. Ephraim, there it says, was taught and loveth to tread out the corn. Why, you know, if you think about a cow treading out the corn, they were not to muzzle the mouth of the ox. Uh, said Ephraim has learned that if I tread out the corn, I can eat some of the corn. And so Ephraim would tread out the corn because Ephraim got the corn, got some of the corn. And they were looking at the blessings of God, and God said, yeah, you know, and it was a nice heifer. It said, um, I'll pass over upon her fair neck. God walked right on past them. God ignored them because they were looking for what God could do for them and for the corn that they were treading out for their portion of the corn and not for, um, for the labour of the Lord. If you read verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for the time has come to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. If you think there, again, about Jeremiah in verse, uh, chapter 4, if we put that up, Jeremiah chapter 4, start in verse 1, there's a verse there that talks about sowing among the thorns. Um, thus saith the Lord, verse 3, uh, verse 3, But for thus saith the Lord unto the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fellow ground, and sow not among the thorns. If you go to Matthew, uh, chapter 13, it's the parable of the field. There's the, um, if you remember, Pastor Hal preached, I think, in camp, it's a camp or soul winning revival, about the different types of ground there. And there's four types. Um, and one of them, and I'll read the parable and then um, carry on, so it's verse 3, and he spake, so Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, and withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but other fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold and some sixty and some thirtyfold. He who hath ears, let him hear. And if you jump across to verse 22, for, um, you can re- that in the next section explains the parable, but um, verse 22 it says, And he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the world word, and he became unfruitful. So the thorns, if you think about Jeremiah, they were sowing among the thorns and wondering, you know, if you sow among the thorns and the thorns choke them up, it's no wonder because you sowed among the thorns. But God said that the cares of this world will choke the word of God, that it become unfruitful. 
You can have all the Word of God you want. You can read all your Bible you want. You can pray all you want. You can come to church all you want. But if you're going to then drown, you know, let the cares of this world interfere with the things of God, you choke the word that you put in yourself and it won't mean, it won't do anything. All the, all the church coming to church you can come to church for won't mean anything because it's, you're choking it. You know, and you become your own enemy. So um, if we were pretty well um, near the end again, if we go back to Zechariah, Zechariah in chapter 4 and verse 6. Uh, well, we might actually go back a little further. In the, if we go to Isaiah, uh, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and walked, with, and walked me as a man, and wakened me as a man out of, that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, See thou, and I said, I, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, and bowls upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and his seven pipes on the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake unto the angel, uh, to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? And then, then the angel of the Lord, the angel that talked with me, answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth, it, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. So the power of Zerubbabel was the man building the house of God. And God said, you're not going to build the house of God by your own strength and by your might and by your intellect and whatever other things you might be proficient at or uh, have prowess in, but it's going to be by my spirit. And if you look there, he says, Who art thou, O great mountain? And there's mountains in our way, and uh, this, isn't, this is a little bit off um, where I was planning to go, but just to say it, Christ said that when you, um, thou shalt speak unto this mountain, saying, um, if thou have faith the size of mustard seed, thou shalt say unto this mountain, be thou uh, plucked up and cast into the sea, and it shall obey thee. And that's exactly what is said here in, in Zechariah, uh, that the mountain would become a plain by crying and with shoutings, grace, grace unto it. It's the, the grace of God is how we succeed. Um, and we have to, again, you, if you read through Isaiah 58, humble ourselves before God. If we go to First Peter in chapter 5, and we're nearly, nearly there, just a couple more scriptures, and we'll be done for the night. First um, Peter chapter 5, uh, and we'll start in verse 3. Neither being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock, 
And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown that fadeth, a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. The humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If we go to Philippians chapter 2, and verse... <coughs> Sorry, verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, and we'll start in uh, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that which is above every name. If you look there, Christ followed the pattern of First uh, Peter chapter five and verses six, humbling himself under the hand of God, and God exalted him in due time. If you look there, he was in the form of God. Jesus Christ was God. Uh, and he humbled himself, being made of no reputation. We all uh, was listening to a preaching, and he was he explained this. He said we all uh, like to have a reputation, and if we don't have a reputation, we like to brag about the fact that we don't have a reputation. Um, you know, <clears throat> we say, "Well, I'm nothing. Well, I, I'm not anyone," and we are secretly proud that we are no one. And therefore you're not being humble, you're proud of your humility, as it were. You're proud of not being anything special. You know, uh, you're proud that it, you, know, you, you say, well, it's the grace of God, but secretly you're pride, you have pride in your heart. Um, but, God, uh, but Christ, who is God, made himself no reputation, so he humbled himself and he took upon him the form of a servant. He humbled himself further. He became to serve and not to be served. And he was made in the likeness of men. And it was lower again. He humbled himself further. Being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself still further. And he became obedient unto, the de unto death. So he, as God, immortal, submitted himself to death. He brought himself very low, but it's even lower than that because it says even the death of the cross. The death of the cross was the death of a criminal. And Christ died the death of a criminal. He humbled himself so far as to be killed like a criminal and not, you know, he was sinless. He never did anything wrong. He didn't deserve to die, but he humbled himself to even to the death of the cross. The shameful death of the cross, you know, up there exposed, mocked by everyone. But the Bible says in verse 9, wherefore, so wherefore, is you're going to stop and see what it's there for. It says, because Christ humbled himself so far as to be willing to die for God, because that's what God asked of him, it says, wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what our life should be about, the glory of God the Father. And we, we should submit to God because, uh, because of who God is. 
You know, um, Ram preached on Wednesday about entitlement. You know, what are we entitled to? Is that all we're entitled to is hell, and anything short of hell is the mercy of God. Um, and that really is true. But we should humble ourselves, as the scripture says there, under the mighty hand of God, and to submit to him. And submit to him isn't, well, just say, well, I'll, you know, you can't just submit and say, well, I'm going to submit. You actually have to submit. And you look at the Bible and say, the Bible says this, so I'm going to do this. The Bible says this, I'm going to do it. The Bible says don't do this. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because God said, and you submit to the word of God, even though you don't necessarily understand why the Bible says it that way. But you can see it clearly in the scripture. And so you submit, and God said, when you will, then, only then will he lift you up. And so, uh, you know, it's not, you know we, we often, uh, if we go back to, as the last scripture, to, to love, uh Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, to give an example, it says, if my people, there's a condition, we want the blessing of God, but there's a condition, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and forgive their sins, and heal their land. And so, you know, there's a condition. Will we meet the condition? You know, as something to, to think on. Do we seek God's face or God's, you know, the presence of God or the presence of God, as we use the saying? Um, and, you know, uh, like you would expect, you know, if uh, I just hang around someone because I want their money and they'll pick up on it and they won't want to hang around on me, with me. And likewise, if we hang around God and the things of God, because God will bless us and give us money, because God's got lots of money, and if, if we submit to God, he'll give us lots of money. If that's going to be our attitude, God's not going to be very interested in listening to us. Um, so we need to approach God in a, with a proper view on God. And, you know, he, God has a personality. God, uh, and God can see our hearts and knows our motive. And so we must humble ourselves and, and uh, be willing to lay aside everything because of who God is. Um, and God has promised to take care of us, but you know, what if he doesn't? Well, when we get to heaven, you know, God will set things right. Um, commit your cause to him that uh, judges in righteousness. You know, leave, it, leave it to God and just uh, trust in his providence. You know, God has made provision and God has known our need before we were here. So let's do the things of God and let God take care of us while we're doing it. Uh, with that, we'll close in prayer. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening, for the message of your word. We pray, Lord, that uh, it be a help to the people, and Lord, uh, that uh, you would, your name would be magnified and, Lord, exalted in our midst, and, Lord, uh, that we'd be willing, Lord, to serve you, Lord, if we don't get anything at all for it. Lord, we ask, Lord, that we'd lay it all at the cross, and, Lord, be willing um, to work for you, and, Lord, to do your will more than our own will, like Christ said in the garden, not my will, but thine be done, Lord. 
I pray this be the heart and attitude of the Christian people, Lord. And uh, Lord, we ask you give a revival in these last days of your word. And Lord, pour out your spirit again upon us and you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.